0: Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast,
1: the latest on shares, markets and investments. Now available on your Amazon Alexa.
0: Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, Just before we get into the podcast today, I just want to give everybody a reminder that next week we have the UK Investor Magazine virtual conference. We have a number of um, companies presenting as well as some keynote speeches, do sign up to that. There's advice on the UK Investor Magazine website, and we'll also include a link through to the page in the notes to this podcast. So for today's podcast, we're very kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us today.
1: Hi, Jonathan. Good to be back.
0: So as usual, we've got three stocks that we're going to be discussing later on in the podcast. But You know, looking at the headlines, um, you know, it's being dominated by uh, Boris Johnson and Brexit. You know, we were discussing just before we started recording, is it something that we'd explore in the podcast? Uh, We decided this is something that we'd probably leave until next week because there's uh, been this continual kicking the can down the road of talks, which are now set for Sunday. So there's probably going to be a little bit more uh, in the way of interesting moves in the markets for us to discuss next week. But something we do want to look at now um, is results from Ocado. Uh, and they have been a big beneficiary of COVID-19. Yeah. Um, they came out with, uh, again, um, significant growth in sales. Um, sales in the 13 weeks to the 29th of November were 579 million. That was up from 429 million in the same period a year prior. Now, Alan, when when we're looking at this company, of course, people staying at home has driven them to to online shopping. But from an investor's perspective, we always need to be looking forward. I mean, what is your view on this trend continuing past uh, coronavirus Do we see continued growth from Ocado or is it a case that, yes, they've got new customers, but a lot of this spend uh, that is going through Ocado and their online shopping is money that would be usually spent going out to restaurants, but instead people are are choosing um, to to make their own entertainment uh, by spending a little bit more on their groceries than they would have done usually?
1: I think it's a combination of factors, Jonathan, and also, um, we, if we look at the Accardo share price performance, I mean the company has a has a sixteen sixteen half billion market cap, which is you know pretty racy for um, a company that uh, you know is an online business. But you know that's that's um, that's the way things go nowadays, and you know the certainly the valuation is underscored by a strong financial performance. Um, but going forward, um, I think uh, a lot of the older generation who uh, are doing their shopping online will continue as they are. Um, and I think, uh, you know, people, whilst we had the vaccine out there now, and that's great, I think a lot of people will still be scared to move around and um, will err on the side of caution and continue to order online. Um, so it's probably changed the shopping habits of the UK to a large degree. And I think a lot of people anyway tend to do a bit of both I know you know speaking for our household um we will do some online shopping regularly we'll get a weekly shop and uh we'll also um pop down to the supermarket and we also have a local farm shop around the corner so so I think online shopping is now you know part of the the process of shopping and of course that applies to not only to supermarkets but to every other aspect of life too um I I can't I, I, I think it's going to be hard for Ricardo longer term to sustain the sort of growth it's seen this year. but of course it may well on the back of its uh, performances this year, be able to attract other companies um, so it may be able to sell its delivery service to other companies and increase revenues that way. Um, and that I think has always been the, the biggest challenge for Ricardo to to basically continue to grow the business deliver exponential growth by delivering for new for new uh, retailers um and uh, maintain the pace of growth um so uh, yeah I, I can't see personally much more upside from here um but uh equally i think uh, the the company will will continue to grow its revenues albeit at a slower rate uh from next year on
0: so I'm, I'm just i'm just making some you know very crude comparisons here just looking at tesco's um tesco's Market cap, uh, 22 billion with a turnover um, of 64 um, billion. But when we're looking at a, a a Cardo, if we annualized the most rest, the most recent set of results from from today in terms of sales, very roughly we'd be looking at about 2.1 billion. But as you mentioned, there market cap of, of 16 billion. So a huge discrepancy there in terms of. Yeah. A price to, to to sales i mean how, how much do you think the market is putting a value on a Cardo's technology as opposed to its its underlying underlying food sales
1: well i i think i think the the reason it has the high market cap of course it doesn't have the it doesn't have the huge uh um, the, the huge property asset you know which uh, and the the fixed costs that uh, the other supermarkets have um it's obviously got its delivery network and it's um and its logistics uh, network but um in comparison to the costs that say Tesco or Morrisons or any of the supermarkets would be looking at it's uh, it's um it's a fraction of that and hence we have the larger market cap it also gives the Cardo greater flexibility to pivot and develop the business maybe to head off into other areas so i think the management team have got to be pretty proactive in setting out their stall uh forward so so it can provide investors with some visibility um and point out where the future growth is coming from and i think this is this is been the dilemma for investors looking at a card. you know where is the growth going to come from so they've got all these supermarket contracts which are great but how can they how can they evolve the model further and i think that's the that's the issue but yeah if you look at the, if you look at it as an internet business it would always be uh it would always be valued on a much higher multiple anyway um so it's probably fairly valued but when you get to that sort of you know 16.5 billion that's a Big chunk of money, and it leaves very little room for disappointment. Just, um, just want
0: to pick up on a, on a point that you made there, Alan. You, you touched on the the overheads uh, of, of the supermarkets, Tesco's, you know, Morrison, Sainsbury's, uh, which of course, Ocado don't don't have. Do you think? I mean, obviously, we we've seen um, Arcadia go into administration very very recently, which is. Yeah. One of um, you know most of the high street now um, which which is you know faced difficulty or, or, or closed down, do you think it's just a matter of time before the pure well no, obviously they 're not pure but um, food focused retailers in the supermarkets go the same way as their counterparts that were focusing on on clothing
1: well um, that's that also is a very good point, and I think you know we're seeing this uh, this inexorable change in the high street, in retailing in general. And I mean, if you look at Marks and Spencer's, I think, you know, which obviously, you know, some years back, you could have compared directly to, well, you could have said it was not market Debenhams in a way. And of course, Debenhams has also gone into administration. now. So the old British department store is, is sadly a thing of the past. And, you know, that's, um, I think, you know, people get nostalgic for that. But, you know, we've, we've moved on. But I think it's fair to say that probably had Marks and Spencers not got its food division, it would be in deep trouble as well and may even be facing the same decision, decisions that, uh, that um, Debenhams uh, has to make. But of course, we all need food. Um, and I think Marks has been very clever in carving out for itself a niche in the food sector. And it's, it's probably looked at in many ways as a, an even more upmarket version of Waitrose. So I think they've done very well. In securing that, so um, I think the the challenge for the food retailers is, of course, we've always got the the greater competition from the likes of Aldi and Lidl. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be uh, managing um, or, or, or maintaining market share uh, whilst trying to cut overhead. So of course that's very difficult uh, in in the current environment. Um, but that's why a lot of the supermarkets have gone to out out of town retail parks because you know the land's cheaper. They can get more more space and just literally um, cram it in and stack it high. Um, but yeah, certainly um, I don't I, I don't think because food's essential. I don't think the food retailers face the same sort of challenges that the the uh, the high street retailers and in particular the, the clothing manufacturer or the clothing retailers do.
0: Yes, I mean, I think obviously the uh, the shelf life of of food, um, I think will get people um, out into to the shops, and it's one of those things that people need on a daily basis. Yeah, not like clothing. So, um, you know, the uh, convenience of popping down to a shop will will remain. Uh, but but I would argue that some of the services such as amazon are offering now is going to shake things up dramatically in the next 10 years so
1: very yeah i mean it's it is very possible But, but but i think at the end of it um i mean i i suppose the next challenge you know we're seeing we're seeing almost a wheel turn full circle for a lot of these retailers um in that um farm shops and uh it was you know we see a lot in this area where i live in on the south coast there are some really good farm shops and the quality of the food because it's produced on the land is fantastic and um and you know people go there and they want to support their local business and they won't go back so so that's the other challenge and um if amazon gets into bed with those with those retailers um and it maybe takes out uh, all the logistics uh, element of Amazon takes over the delivery services for um, local farm shops or, or even delivering milk, then, yeah, I think everyone's in trouble. You know, that's... Uh...
0: <laughs> Indeed. So a very interesting um, space to be watching. But mm. um, we're going to move on to the stocks that we're going to discuss this week. And I think the first one ties in very nicely um, with the uh, companies that we've just been discussing there because they deal very much with logistics, which is a huge element of the food delivery and indeed um, clothing delivery uh, business. Um, it's Eddie Stobart. We touched on them last week, but there's been quite a significant development since then. Alan, what, what's been happening there?
1: There has been, Jonathan, yeah. Um, so um, it's it's quite a complex story, this, but but, but I, I'm actually invested into ESL, which is, of course, the epic go for Eddie Stobart. Um, you know, back in 2019, the company had a valuation uh, uh, not far short of a billion. Um, and then it uh, found a big hole in its accounts. It was almost, Wincanton was uh, running the slider all over it, um, uh, was potentially going to acquire the group. And then, of course, they found a black hole in the accounts. Um, then a company called DBay Advisors came in injected <laughs> 70 million into the business to keep it going. Um and the, the new, they set up a new structure where Green, green Star um, or Green White Star uh, acquisitions um, basically acquired uh, or acquired 51% of um, Eddie Stobart. Uh, that's the, obviously the uh, iconic uh, uh, logistics and transport company. Also in the group, iForce, Supply Chain Management, logistics people, um, and and the pallet network, um, all, all part of the group. So what it meant was that after that transaction took place, um, Green White Star acquisitions owned 51% of the Eddie Stobart uh, portfolio, and Eddie Stobart ESL became a cash shell um and owned 49%. Um so of course, you know, the share price fell to historic lows, you know, uh, I think it fell to lows of 5p which was astonishing considering that DBay put their money in at or around the 32p level um, so during the year um, now let's not forget to you know tying into what we were discussing just now of course Eddie Stobart um, provides uh, logistics and delivery services for uh, Tesco's for Morrisons, McBride, Hildebrand, Nike, Amazon so you know, the, these trucks are all over the road and uh, they deliver for all the major, major brand names. So it's got a, a very strong entrenched position in, in, in uh, distribution and logistics. Um, during the year, we saw uh, several other developments. Uh, the group acquired the Eddie Stobart brand name uh, from Stobart Group. Um, and uh, also people joined the company. Adrian Collins, a finance veteran, came in and joined the company uh, as 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 chairman. He's former Lion Trust, Gartmore, um, and also um, is on the boards of Merchant Capital, Bahamas Petroleum and other companies. Um, in October, they announced half-year results, revenues of 416 million, which fell 1.1%. Now, bear in mind that Eddie Stobart at this point, uh, the cash shell, was valued at about, about 32 million. Um, so, I, you know, uh, I, I... I, I I bought shares earlier in the year because I just thought, well, it just seems to me that even though Eddie Stobart, the cash shell, owns half of the business, surely it should be worth more than that. So the numbers bear this out. Um, uh, EBITDA rose 363% to 16 million and the groups are looking forward, expected to deliver full year EBITDA of at least 33 million. Um, they were seeing strong uh, demand, um, a return to profitability in the group. Um, They'd also shed loss making contracts um, and also initiated pay down of that debt pile that that, that was initially identified back in uh, 2019. So um, because Eddie Stobart became a cash shell, once the company becomes cash shell, it has a limited period of time, six months in order to announce an investment or to develop. Um, due to COVID, that was delayed um, by the FCA, so Stobos were able to push it on, and the deadline was December the 9th. Um, yesterday, um, December the 9th, they announced um, a placing an open offer to raise $16 million, um, uh, to convert to an investing company. Now, initially, they'd said um, the share price uh, was trading around uh, 7 or 8p, and it popped up to 14p briefly last week. Um, and the group said that um, said that uh, uh, it was looking to raise six million. In fact, raised nine million via placing and an open offer um, of seven million. Now, this uh, all took place at five p, so obviously a significant discount to where we are at the moment. But once this was announced, the share price yesterday pushed back up to nine p, which um, you know is quite encouraging. Um, the group said it was would be changing its name to Logistics Development Group PLC. So. Obviously, it still retains its forty-nine percent holding in uh, Eddie Stobart and the companies I outlined a little earlier, uh, with Green Weiser acquisitions holding the rest. Um, but uh, of course, it then gives the group the opportunity to further invest into other logistics and transport businesses, and there are some very good ones out there. Yeah, you know, we, uh, in, in the industry, uh, as well as Eddie Stobart. Of course, you've got Wing Canton and and um, and others like that. Um, but the company have, um, but going forward, DeBay, the provider of the original loan, when the company got into trouble in two thousand nineteen, also subscribed for seventy seven million new shares in the uh, in the placing. So that's highly encouraging, um, and of course we'll take up their open offer uh, entitlements um, due to the due to the transaction. The waiver of takeover code was uh, was um, agreed, um, uh, you know, concert parties and all of that. Um, and Adrian Collins said that they were, the company is very pleased to have raised more than the previously uh, indicated amount of six million. So um, Sto- Eddie Stobart or Logistics Development Group PLC uh, moves forward from here, and um, and I think uh, you, know, you know has a, an incredibly bright future, given that um, Eddie Stobart, the, uh, the the business owned by Green Wine Star Acquisitions, is starting to has returned to. Profit and is, is generating um, is generating ongoing revenues at the sort of level I've, I've outlined. Indeed, indeed. And,
0: and in sort of given the uh, environment that we discussed previously of increasing deliveries uh, across the country, it, it's definitely in a growing sector. So one yeah. that I'm sure we'll discuss again. Well, we mentioned so, Amazon.
1: We mentioned Amazon, of course. Stobots just uh, deli- uh, to be for Amazon as well. They use their logistics hub for Amazon. So you know, it's um, yeah, they, they, they
0: indeed a, hu- a huge uh, a huge client there, which I'm sure will only increase um, in the potential revenue that they're generating.
1: Yeah, yes, Yeah.
0: So that uh, a significant development there for them, uh, and, and one that I do think is probably set now for uh, to to benefit from the. Changing face of uh, the, the UK consumer. So we're, we're moving on now, Alan. To uh, we have two commodity companies to discuss now, but we're going to start off with one that's that's focused on gold. I'm looking here at, at the at the share price over the last year or so. Now this is a, a range trader's dream. The way that this share price has has been moving, Catoro um, Gold. Uh, but what's been um the, the most recent update from from them adam
1: okay so katoro gold um currently trading at 2.2p so they've got a market cap of just over 7 million um now katoro gold's um uh, obviously the, the, it's in the name it's uh, indicated to, uh, as a gold company but they also have a a nickel um a nickel asset in tanzania which I'm, I'm just going to briefly cover first of all um, now, um, in central Tanzania, there's uh, an area called Haneti, um, which is some 80 kilometres north of the uh, Tanzanian capital of Dodoma. Um, and this area is highly prospective for lithium, also, uh, sorry, nickel, also lithium and the platinum group metals, plus um, some gold as well. Um, now, the uh, the project has been um, owned uh, by Ketoro for some time, um, it was first explored in the Early uh, 20th century, and then in the mid, 60, mid 1960s, um, and uh, uh, obviously with the uh, with the sort of uh, it, it, with the uh, reignited growth uh, or interest into commodities, um, a lot of these old uh, old uh, projects are being reexamined, and also new data, new new desktop uh, 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 analysis te- uh, technology now enables. Uh, enables companies to look at old projects and to and to conduct um far more detailed surveys and and uh and uh, and, and, and and data mining um so uh, hanetti um is also uh, the company is also C- has also entered into a, a joint venture here with katoro gold where um katoro has invested some money and it, indeed in august it paid katoro an extra twenty five thousand um which takes their holding now up to thirty five percent. so it's a 65 to 35 percent holding. Um, the in October, um, the uh, uh, we, we, I, I should bring it up to November. A contract was signed with Amazon Drilling. That's a local Tanzanian-based company, um, and uh, the 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 uh, team have mobilised the first drill location at in, in the in Hanetti. Um, um, they're, they're going to be undertaking 2,000 metres of uh, rotary air blast drilling. Um, and across that at 2000 meters it, they're, they're drilling 50 holes up to 40 40 meters deep um and that thats uh, that exercise will be under, um, covered by the group's existing cash resources so we will we expect to get some news on that and sampling uh in uh, early in, in 2021 so that's one project the the flagship project for kotura gold is the the Blivor Uh, gold tailings project Um, and Blyvor is a gold mine that's based some 75 kilometers southwest of Johannesburg in South Africa. Um, uh, It entails six gold tailing dams uh, which contain a joint or reserves um, uh, uh, um, estimate of 1.34 million ounces of gold. now, because the mine's already been in production, this there there are tailings, uh, it, it, there are these huge huge gold uh, gold tailing dams. Um, so uh, the the matter has already been mined. So it's really a question of the group going in and um, and uh, setting up a a, a beneficiation plant to actually uh, process the ore, get rid of the waste, or to, to 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 find the gold um, throughout the year, of course. Um, any developments have been restricted by uh, by COVID. Uh, obviously, getting people into the into the site to look at it and that's um, it's been restricted. But um, uh, certainly in July, um, as as katoro uh, progressed the uh, progressed the the the, uh, the development, um, uh, they they started putting some estimates together, targeting an initial production run of two hundred and fifty thousand tons per month, um, and ramping up to processing five hundred tons of. Uh, tailings or per month uh, within two years and producing 500 tons uh, per month they estimate uh, they can generate some 35,000 ounces of gold per annum so you know that that's a that's a pretty beefy uh, beefy production estimate. So the developments um, uh, uh, in quarter three quarter four um, the group have been um, looking to uh, raise funding to complete the process um, and uh, announced in September they were looking at a number of different funding instruments that had expressions of interest announced uh, late last month in excess of the peak funding requirements um, around the thirty six and a half million dollars mark um, but these were subject to the Toro producing a restated resource and reserve statement which has been completed and is uh, and is has been submitted for review an independent valuation which has also been completed and also Catoro um, uh, had requested that prospective funders complete their own due diligence, which is also underway. The, the one final, uh, uh, the, the one final provision is that rather than a joint venture, because currently it's a joint venture between uh, Target Mine Consulting um, and Catoro Gold, um, the joint venture must become an incorporated company. So, uh, and work is is underway to do that. So, Catoro has uh, also raised some money earlier in the year it has the um, and um, also disposed of um, the inwiru gold project or reef miners limited to Lake Victoria gold um, so the group has 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 some, has plenty of cash available to it at present um, and it, uh, it announced an interim profit during the year of 364,000 sterling uh, from a loss of 400, 430,000 previously. Um, company, uh, the CEO, of course, is Louis Curtsy, who is known for the CEO of Kibo Energy. Uh, also worked uh, or, or worked at Great Basin Gold. Mars um, Campion, who's well known and regarded, and Louis Sheepers, the C, the uh, the uh, chief ops officer, who uh, was at Missouri Exploration and uh, also at Great Basin Gold with Louis Curtsy. So. Um, This is a very exciting junction. Clearly, we all know what's happening in the commodity space at moment with gold mining and gold production. So once the beneficiation plant is set up, obviously funding, once the funding is agreed, companies incorporated, beneficiation plant is set up, then we could see this all process pretty soon and uh, gold production um, to possibly uh, possibly take place as early as the middle of uh, next year.
0: So, Alan, what, what do you think the plan is um, with, with these assets? Because, of course, we, well, you, you mentioned they've, they've made their first profit, and that was due to the sale Ooh. of uh, an, an existing asset. With the ones that they're currently developing, do you think it's going to be a case uh, that Couture look to, to pursue a similar model where they look for a sale of the asset once it's been um, suitably developed? Or do you think it's one that they're going to be taking into, into full production and looking for the revenue from?
1: I think I think they'll be looking for full production from this because uh, they've got a it's almost a, it's a ready made tailings project. So they the um the the with a jaw estimate of one point three four million ounces of gold, they know it's there. So um, obviously we you know we all know what the forecasts for the gold price are. Um, you know the um the, I think uh, given uh, there was a report out uh, the other day, I think there's something like uh, <clears throat> the the COVID bill at the moment stands at. 28 trillion dollars globally um, and that's going to rise so that effectively means that uh, fiat currency is being devalued so the long-term prognosis and outlook for gold is very strong so um, I believe well personally if I were Lou Curtsy I would look at this I would um, look at the, uh, the Blyvore uh, uh, project as a, a cash cow once it starts producing. Um, you can then use that income to, uh, to maybe look at other gold projects or other commodity projects in the area. And, of course, we've got Hanetti as well, don't forget, which is um, a very exciting nickel project, which could potentially be huge. So, um, yeah, I, 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 in my opinion, I, I would look at Katoro Gold, you know, it, with its core asset of ore, producing, generating revenue, and then, of course, um, looking to buy into other projects and develop other projects.
0: Fantastic. So uh, some interesting projects there and, and one that I think we'll be discussing again. So finally, we, we've got a company very much in the exploration phase. Um, now, this is i3 Energy. Um, one, of course, it's been you know pretty heavily hit in, in terms of the share price by COVID as, as a lot of the oil sector has been. But what's, uh, what's been going on uh, at i3 Energy, Alan?
1: Well, it's had a, i3 Energy has certainly had a, a, an eventful <laughs> an eventful 18 months. Um, um, and, and it's really shifted focus now with its uh, recently uh, launched TSX listing. And uh, so it's, it's, of course, listed in London, i3 is the epicode, and on TSX it's ITE. Um, shares have traded, um, you know, as high as, uh, as, high as uh, 15p on the year but they were much higher than that the year before um i currently got a market cap of of 36 million um but um it i the story of i3 started so when it bought some some blocks in the north sea um namely the liberator block um and the serenity block and uh both these were drilled um both these were drilled uh last year and um uh, the, the the blocks uh, serenity um, uh was was more productive um, they identified a, 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 a an oil column um uh, over a thousand feet high um, uh, which was uh, similar um similar in uh, to the uh, to, to, to the Tane assets um, um had a lot of common features with that um, and uh they, they the i3 have a pre-drill estimate of 197 million barrels of oil uh, there um, and their drilling partner Dolphin Drilling um, um, are are also able to earn up to 10% uh, of their fees via a revenue sharing agreement so um, it's always encouraging I think when you've got a drilling company that's prepared to take its fees in revenue sharing uh, once the the asset's up and running. Um, Liberator was a little more difficult, Um, they discovered um, oil but the initial drill uh basically uh um uh, hit nothing so um but uh but again um they have the green, they're, with, they're with dolphin and uh there is a farm out process already underway at liberator but that really is the old story for i3 and during the time when uh the liberator and serenity drilling was taking place we have the share price all over the place as size as 60p i think at one point maybe even higher um and uh um, certainly, it's been, uh, you know, a very eventful year. But um, the board, um, particularly uh, the CFO, Graham Heath, um, and uh, Richard Ames, the uh, uh, 90s director, um have very much a focus in Canada. Uh, lots, lots of experience. Uh, Graham Heath uh, was CFO at Iona Energy, TSX-listed. Neil Carson, also the 90s, director, former uh, co-founder of Ithaca Energy, uh, non executive at our, our owner Energy as well, um, and uh, Richard Ames as well. So very much, um, you, you know, uh, a, a great deal of experience in Canada. So an opportunity arose at the start of the year to buy into some producing assets in Canada. Um, and then uh, and in, in June, the company announced it had acquired the assets of Toscana Energy, which is a TSX-listed company. Now, Toscana... Uh, was in default on some senior loan notes, uh, some twenty-eight million dollars of senior and junior debt debt, um, and uh, I three was able to buy these for just three and a half million dollars. Um, so paid that for Tuscana's debt and equity, and at the same time, of course, it um, it uh, was then was then handed a route to list on the TSX uh, list on the T- TSX uh, exchange in Canada, which which is now done. Um, so, Tuscana it owns thirteen low decline fields uh, producing, uh, which produced 4.6 four, 4. million uh, barrels of oil uh, during two thousand nineteen. Um, in addition, the company announced in September it had a, a completed the acquisition of Gain Energy, um, which also has a group of, uh, of producing assets uh, for eighty million dollars, um, and it uh, has simultaneously agreed to sell. The assets owned by Gain in Saskatchewan to Harvard Resources for forty-five million. So the net result of that is that I three now has a West Canada sedimentary basin portfolio of two hundred forty-two operational wells uh, with an average working interest of seventy-eight percent, producing eight uh, just under nine thousand barrels of oil produced just under nine thousand barrels of oil per day in June. and 22 million dollars of net operating income in 2019 so the asset value is or the net present value is worth some 182 million dollars and also there are other third-party custom processing royalties which also generated some four million dollars in 2019 so so i3 um, as, a, as an investment has very much stabilized now. So it's moved from an exploration company to uh, an oil produced as an oil, to, to uh, a, a, a company that's producing oils across a range of worlds. So um, the risk, well, I think the risk as investment now has been greatly reduced. It still has the North Sea assets. And uh, as I said, with Liberator, that is farmed out uh, and is underway. Uh CEO, of course, is Majid Shafiq. Um, he's got some 30 years of experience, worked for Mobile Oil for 13 years, and he's ha- he's got 12 years of experience in energy and investment banking. So um, th- th- there's a good team in place there. And, of course, Neil Carson, the non-exec director, w- um, w- was very successful in his uh, in his tenure at uh, Ithaca Energy. Um, so I-, I think now, um, looking at the where the share price is at 5p, I think we've got a, a stable a stable uh, investment proposition. And um, obviously, as we go forward, um, we've got steady production, um, which is going to mean a steady, steady performance. And then, of course, we have the, the blue sky element, which, which would be the serenity and liberator fields if they're developed into production in the future. So just to finish off here, I mean...
0: When we're looking at uh, i energy now do, to get this share price moving up from five p, what what do you think is going to be the biggest factor for them um, over the next six months? Do you think it's going to be now that they're obviously producing? Do you think it's going to be recovery, a further recovery in the price of oil uh, and and the wider oil um, sector, or, or do you think it's going to be further development of the, of these assets? Um, and then you know the potential value that's going to be unlocked there. Is it, is it more sort of the case looking at the price of oil and and looking at the production revenue that's going to be coming? Or are we still looking at um, you know the exploration and you know f- further value there being unlocked?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a combination, Jonathan. You know clearly the oil price is going to have an impact on the on the valuation of I three going forward, um, and there, there may well be that. Um, they can they can bring further operational synergies, uh, fine tuning, uh, you know, uh, cost savings uh, into the existing infrastructure. There, um, they now have, of course, have the have a listing in Canada. And for any company being dual listed, um, I think particularly the U.S. and Canadian exchanges uh, tend to place a higher valuation on on companies that are, you know, obviously producing and and, and developing. So 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 that's that's a very positive factor in my book but yeah we've got the blue sky uh we've got the blue sky element with serenity and liberator fields um and of course now with the resources the company has and the additional lenders it now has relationships with there may be other assets which it desires to buy into at, at, at a future point but um and also the name i3 energy i think indicates that uh, you know there is a there is a possible leaning towards renewable energy, too. So we may well see the company take a step in that direction.
0: Indeed. That that indeed would be a very interesting development there for, for I3 Energy, if they were to go that way. So, Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today.
1: My pleasure, Jonathan. Thank you.
0: So just a reminder, as I touched on at the beginning, we have the UK Investor Magazine virtual conference on the 15th of December, uh, that's next Tuesday. So, Blue, please do sign up in the notes to this podcast. Thank you very much.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast. And we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.